To hear this and other parts, look up CJSW Six Degrees on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Six Degrees aims to counter exclusion in this unsettled age and how we can connect, converse, and create with our fellow citizens. The theme for the 2019 event in Calgary, Alberta, focused on the role of culture and the arts in building inclusive societies. Six Degrees and CJSW are teaming up for a limited-run podcast series. Culture is a shared and shareable language. It holds countless ways to bridge divides, but how do we push further? What can we do better? On this episode, part two of the second 360 session entitled, Where We Go. Host Rachel Giza is joined by the musician Shad, spokesperson for the Secretariat of Culture of Mexico, Antonio Martinez Velasquez, artist and designer Sage Paul, and Jenna Rogers, artistic director of Chromatic Theatre. Um, I feel like there's probably lots of comments and questions from the audience at this point. So is there somebody who wants to jump in? Okay. Um, yeah, I think that what we're all doing here, it's, it's really nice and beautiful. And, you know, you have this stream of people who react to diversity with, you know, oh, this is just identity politics. Um, what's the point of this? Everyone's, you know, trying to identify as this. I identify as that. I mean, you do have this cynical kind of, you know, backlash against this kind of stuff. And so I think that's where people don't under, people seriously underestimate the power of art, you know, as a, a form of resistance. It's like I didn't, I didn't start to write because um, I feel oppressed or I feel like people don't understand me. I just felt like I wanted to write because I feel like there's something in my brain and I need to get it out. It's like, you know, what made me realize though that people actually like this is not myself. It's when I actually started writing it that I realized, wow, people, people like this, right? And that's, and also like everything is connected, right? Like you said, um, it's not either or, right? Art influences people. And then the power, if we live in a democracy, then the people should have pow the power to change what the government thinks. Also, like, another, like, an example of how arts, like, art is, like, a form of resistance is that, like, like in a multicultural society, like, growing up here, I was, I was born in Canada, and I feel like, I feel like, like, growing up here, it was really confusing because I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm Pakistani, but then I'm also Canadian, and then I like Japanese anime. I like so many different types of things, right? And... Like art for me, it was, I guess it, it was like a form of, of resistance. And like, and basically what people do is they try to scoop up some categories, right? Like if you're a Muslim girl, how can you be feminist, right? How do you reconcile Islam and feminism? Like feminism, like I feel like a lot of what happens with um, academic feminism is that people kind of like start assuming that um, one kind of civilization had a hold on feminism, that no other cultures, like indigenous cultures or Muslim cultures also had an idea of feminism. Yeah, I just think that um, art is a really, art really proves that, you know, I'm Muslim, but at the same time, it's like, like, am I really like a hijabi? Like, I mean, I like hijab, I like the idea of hijabi, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, I can write, I like sci-fi too. I like other things too, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm not just Muslim girl me, right? But it's like, because I wear the hijab or the headscarf, people just like make a bunch of assumptions, right? But art actually does have a really big influence on people. People don't see it right away, but it happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We have someone else here. Hi, I'm Richard Campbell, and I um, work with Antics Community Arts. And just... Uh, Following up what Kevin said, like the kids we worked with in that GSA were inspiring. And part of why they were inspiring is because they were openly and explicitly naming homophobia 
and being anti-homophobic. And I think today we're having lots of conversations about inclusion and diversity. And I think underlying that, I'm hearing other words, you know, there's got to be exclusion if there's not inclusion. When you guys talk about resistance, what are you resisting? And I, I think it's really important um, for cultural organizations to bring a deep and overt uh, understanding and, and lead conversations about what racism is and how it excludes people, Islamophobia, how that hurts people, sexism, to, to be overt and have deep conversations with these and finding ways that these conversations can happen in a deep and meaningful way. And I know when I check my boxes off, I'm a white, straight, cisgendered, able-bodied, pretty able-bodied um, <laughs> man, that that brings me a lot of privilege. And I think it is, is like when we talk about having uncomfortable situations, is like it's like for, for folks like me to become more able to be, like not being more comfortable with the discomfort, but being able to be in that dis discomfort so other people can take their space. And I think cultural organizations and artists can push that conversation in ways that other people can't. And I think we need to be more explicit about being anti-racist and anti-Islamophobic, anti-sexist, anti-ableist, and anti-oppression. Thanks. Thank you. Let's take one more from the audience. The reason that I'm, I'm talking right now is to say that 100% is it's not about me, because I, my name has been said many times. It makes me uncomfortable, if I'm going to be honest. And these things that I'm involved with, uh, they are my volunteer things. So I have a podcast, and I lead the Women's March, and I am on FemWave, and I do all of this outside of my job and outside of my kids. And I don't want my creativity to have to continue to be at my expense. And thank you, Patty, for talking about accomplices on my Facebook. I don't want any more allies. If you're not coming down with me, I don't want you. Um, and I, I want people to know that they can even if nobody's acknowledging what you're doing, um, acknowledge yourself, because it's really the only way I got here, is that I kept getting up and being in people's faces and saying my piece. So, and now it's my job to like bring other people behind me. Uh, and I'm not gonna say one more thing because I understand I've had enough voice today. <laughs> <laughs> um. My name is uh, Jason Ribeiro, and uh, I was one of the kids in the sweaty college bar uh, going to see Shad K play in Toronto, so it's full circle. Um, when we think about this concept of, of where we go and, and, and potentially where we've been, um, there's a reminder that the world is very different um, than when we started talking about multiculturalism and inclusion. The things that were in my textbooks going to public school um, potentially don't have the same resonance that they do in a world where we don't have as much common experience. At the time that I was reading that, that textbook and learning about the mosaic and multiculturalism, you know, my parents were all watching the 11 o'clock news with the neighbors next door and the neighbors next door. We lived in row houses in a suburb, at least in our case. We would see each other at the, the, the grocery store, but now I can order my groceries through an app. I, I, I don't watch the 11 o'clock local news because I can get it at any time through Twitter or other mediums. So, when we talk about 
diversity. And when we talk about multiculturalism, when we talk about inclusion, um, how do we make it feel more elemental um, to get through all of the bifurcations and all of the divisions and all of the misinformation? Um, how do we do that in terms of where we go? The, the, the art of storytelling, of being an orator through music or through change, through policy, et cetera, has huge resonance. You asked, what is it that um, made us experience that change at the forefront? This is not a plug for the ICC. Um, but I, I hosted a roundtable at one of these citizenship ceremonies. And it wasn't just the difference between myself and the person just getting their citizenship after a 10-year struggle. It was the similarity that myself moving from the Toronto area to Calgary in 2015 experienced some of the exact same challenges this couple from India did when they moved in 2003. That, that commonality around inclusion needs to be at the forefront of what we're thinking of because at, at inclusion, uh, in the terms of inclusion, when we're scaling this conversation, we're going to encounter the same difficulty we're having now. There's a reason we're continuing to have this same conversation. And the issues of inclusion are being felt not only by, uh, along ethno-cultural lines, but they're also being experienced by the seniors experiencing social isolation at greater rates now. They're also being experienced by places of privilege, the middle-aged white guy who's having his job automated, or being pushed out to the fringe because their place in society is changing. The conversation of storytelling and that frame of inclusion is something that we need to scale out and have, not just among members of the community that we see all the time, but I think at a much, much greater scale, and I feel like that's where we really need to go. Thank you. I welcome and I thank you for having me here. Um, my English translation to my name is always Singing Woman. And what I wanted to add is that for me, art and culture is really about truth and reconciliation. The truth is, is that really basically what it is all about is just getting to know what our history is about. And I think the most beautiful gift as indigenous people, and not only in the Americas, but throughout the world, is that in some instances we've been, we've gladly, uh, even though we've shared, thinking that it would be a fair sharing process. And it hasn't been. And so we welcomed we're very welcoming people. I've not ever come across any group of people, FNMI, First Nation, Métis, Inuits, that have not ever welcomed an individual into their homes and into their communities. And it is with that that it's welcoming. Unfortunately, the history, and it's not all of us average Joe Blows, it's, uh, it's the institutions that have been shaped by, um, if we really do go back in history, is um, a whole different worldview. And that worldview, when it made contact with the Americas, was really all about acquiring, it was a monarchy system. So it was based on status, on money. So us average Joe Blows had to go somewhere and one of those places that was uh, the place to go was the Americas. And to this day, it hasn't been that long. So that's what the truth is about. 
the reconciliation is when we reconcile and somebody said, you know, it's amazing that you haven't totally, you know, civil war, violence and all of that. I said, well, it happens at the beginning. However, that's not our mindset. If you really understand what it is to be a real person, anisitapi, is that we're all in this together. And um, our history is not stagnant. We're continually evolving. So that's where art and culture comes in. That's the reconciliation. So through our, through our arts, the culture is a way of life. At least for me, that's a very simple definition for me. It's a way of life. And you express that way of life through the arts. For example, our designer, our young woman up there, that's a designer. She knows very well that um, the clothing that we wore, our ancestors wear, and we still wear, identifies who we are. It tells where we come from. It tells another person, oh, this is from another tribe, and we respect that. The colors on there, we will know who's our holy people. You know, we can tell by the way they dress. So that's just one area or one avenue of art. For me, theater and film, I think, and educating our younger people. We're so fortunate now in some ways, it's kind of a double-edged sword having technology. But with that technology, we can certainly spread our stories, our creation stories, where we come from our values, it's the tricksters that tell us. So those are the stories and what we know that's translated into many different art forms. And so I think that for me, I'm old school, but where we're going with all of this is that we are in a movement and it is going to be an arts and culture movement. Mm -hmm. And this is where the truth and reconciliation I think will really truly begin. It's the beginnings. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I want to I want to bring it back to uh, the folks here on the stage, um, and that you know what's been raised um, in the in the the sharing right now in the audience, and then prior to this 360 um, is the idea of. Um, an unequal sharing. Um, there is inequality that is baked right into many of our art, art institutions, whether they're public ones, um, whether it's the commerce of art. Um, certain groups of people wield a lot of power. Um, artists themselves often are at the, the bottom of, of, of that power, um, um, often are struggling financially. Um, so my question is to, to you, and, 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 I, and I'll start with you, Sage. How can art itself dismantle and challenge this inequality that's baked into, into our institutions and into our, into our economies? How does the practice of art itself become transformational in that way? Um, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think about your practice in terms of, you know, thinking about, um, you know, creating fashion in a sustainable way um, that that, you know, like your own practice of, of, of art is one that is challenging the fashion industry as a whole. And I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about, a bit about that. I love fashion because it, it goes across disciplines. You, you actually cannot practice any art form without 
fashion. Um, you, like whether all performance arts requires fashion. If you're a writer, you ha you include that a part as, of of that storytelling. Um, it's a way of telling people where you come from, um, revitalizing what's been lost, um, things that have been oppressed. Um, it's really it's it's such a very powerful way to be able to bring back that which has been taken away. Especially like for indig as an indigenous woman, I'm able to. I'll bring back a lot, like what was taken. Oh, oh it makes me so emotional to think about that. Because um, I went to go see this exhibit. Okay, I don't want to cry. But it was just like the most beautiful thing. Um, this young woman had created her beadwork, but she had recreated it in the color of, of hand-tanned moose hide that her, um, that her grandma would have made. And she'd never met her grandmother before, but she was doing that in honor of how her grandfather would have hunted that moose and her grandma would have created clothing out of it and they would have done this very specific style of beadwork on it. And that connects her to her past, but it's also a new way of doing this work and it puts it into the institutions. It was at the textile museum where people, uh, the textile museum is a very, it's a older white woman audience primarily. And to have like the, uh, have an indigenous exhibit there, it really, it's so powerful to be able to hold that space and for us to, for a young woman who grew up in Toronto, uh, went to Powell's and was able to learn through an urban way of, of knowing who she was um, and presented in that space is, is so moving. Like for me, it's incredibly moving to, to be able to experience that and witness that. And so that's why for me, fashion is, is so, so important. In, in many ways, and we, we have to wear it. It's survival also when we look at that as um, the element of, of, of art as survival. Mm -hmm. we, we need it. Yeah, yeah. Jenna, uh, uh, I'll ask you the same question. How, does, how, does, how can art itself um, transform these institutions or places or, or you know, you, you, you mentioned earlier the idea of the work around rather than the, you know, you know tearing, tearing the door off the hinges. Um, and, and how can art itself do that? How can it be that, that driver of that kind of change? It is a good question. Uh, I, I'm, it makes me reflect a lot on an idea that I've heard in the last kind of 24 hours of micro conversations, which is, um, when do you include artists in your practice? Um, and what would change if artists were included from the beginning? So I can't tell you the number of times I've heard a story about a theater space being like custom built for a city and how excited it was. And then the theater arrives to do their first show and they realize that the bay doors don't open large enough to get a set in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like on a very, very basic level, a, a deep technical failing of an art space. But, you know, earlier this morning, we're talking about the color of the walls and, and the carpet. Um, and I think, you know, how could art spaces like this also be exhibition spaces? How can we bring other disciplines into spaces that are meant to be for one? And if we think about this idea of connectivity, um, how can we inspire each other's practices um, so that we know more about other disciplines and not, not just about our own, so that the call to be an artist is not to, to simply take up one art form, but to be generous with your space and your intention and your idea to other art forms. And that can start to, I think, transform civic spaces and ideas and the way that we approach 
our understanding of art. Yeah, I was just going to chime in. Like, I, I do think from time to time, too, about how we do business as artists and what if we had some more imagination about that? Like, not just imagination in our work, but imagination about how we dealt with each other um, in terms of money, mm -hmm. in terms of business, and in that sense modeled something different yeah, for the rest of the economy, for do other you, sectors. And do you, like, have you seen that in practice? Like, no. no. <laughs> I was looking for a solution, Chad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 I haven't, which, um, which just reminds me of how, you know, again, the difficulty is like something fundamental, something human, um, mm -hmm. something moral. It's mm -hmm. like, do we have the, 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 the courage and the generosity of, of spirit and generosity, period, mm -hmm. to model something differently in terms of how we do business and how we treat each other? Um, because I know in the music industry, the same, not even the same, like a worse version of the hierarchical and every other, you know, model that's out there exists in the music industry because we don't have HR. Like we, <laughs> it <laughs> right. just happens, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, what if we had more imagination about mm -hmm. that and more, and more courage and more, and more, more faith and I think well, it becomes like really easy to like envision like all the positive things we could have, but it's important to also think about the ways in which we're fallible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think to Richard's point, it's important to uh, acknowledge when you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and I think we fail at that a lot of the time. I think we are really good at being like, someone will be like, that didn't work so well. And you're like, let's just not talk about it. Uh, and you try to change the subject and it takes a lot more courage to say, you're right, I've never asked a musician how your industry works and maybe sat down for like a drink with you to talk about how we could support one another mm -hmm. or something like that. Like that's, a, that's not just like society's failing, that's also my failing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think about the conversations we've been having um, recently, whether it's conversations about cultural appropriation. So who has the right to tell whose stories and, and, uh, and, and, and how, do we, how do we respectfully um, engage with one another? Or questions around, um, you know, what does it mean to support an artist who has caused a great deal of harm? So someone who has been, you know, violent towards others um, um, in some way. And so I think about your point, Shad, about, you know, how do we bring Bring a morality and an ethics into the practice of art, um, and have difficult conversations about. Oh, well, you separate the art from the artist. I mean, the kinds of conversations we've been having a lot around popular culture about how do we embed, um, you know, decency or ethics into into our practices of who we work with, how we work with others respectfully, and how artists themselves treat one another um, within the work that they that they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think especially on the topic of cultural appropriation, it requires a lot of thought, you know, and we have to take it on as our responsibility, I think, as artists to be thoughtful. You know, that's that's really our job um, to be creative, to be imaginative and to be thoughtful. And so, um, yeah, we can't expect the, the rest of the society to be able to like think through these things. Um, as much as we can, we have the time, we have the latitude, we're, we're, we're paid to do it. So um, I think we have to take that on as a serious res responsibility mm -hmm. um, on top of our work to also just be imaginative about how we live and how we deal with each other. Mm -hmm. I think there's a question back here or a comment back here. Just the idea of art being a social change, like where is the root? Um, right now, when I look around us, we have full grown adults who've kind of figured out where they're at and can actually discuss about art being a place in how it, art in, is involved in their lifestyle. But what about rewinding a little bit? 
when you were in junior high, did you actually understand that concept? So how can we actually start the social change? Why don't we go backtrack and have that discussion with youths to actually acknowledge that, yes, art is a form for you to acknowledge the type of person you are, to better understand your culture, to understand the diversity of cultures around us. But we don't actually do that in our schools. And um, I mean, we have focus-based schools that have, and one person in my group said their son goes to an art school, but his other son doesn't. So those conversations don't actually happen with his other son who's not in an art school. How can we actually entail an art program and put it into those public schools and change the curriculum so that we have a cross-discipline in all subjects? So um, my group had discussed about in sports, how can we integrate art into sports? How can we integrate art into math? How can we integrate art into science and so forth rather than making it a discipline that's completely separate and needs to be isolated? Thank you. Hi, I'm Dwayne Zaba. I have a couple of comments. Um, one, I really loved your idea of engaging artists from the beginning and throughout the entire process. I think that that isn't integral to, uh, to systemic change. But I also want to kind of put you on the spot, Chad, and um, challenge you, frankly, um, because I, uh, Rachel asked you a question with respect to how to affect systemic change. And you basically punted it off and said, there are other people that are paid to do that. I would put forth that a bottom-up approach is as applicable as a top-down approach, and you have to meet in the middle. And I think your message of hope is as important to bring to the table as anything else. So if we think about the monumental challenges that we face, in accomplishing the stuff that we're talking about, you have a great deal to offer, if nothing, if nothing more than just your your hope. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. You know, um, yeah, like I take I take my work seriously in that sense. You know, um, but yeah, when we get into real conversations about how to make actual large scale change, um, like I really don't know the first thing about how that works. <laughs> I get to be here, right? And I get to be here and, re and, and represent myself, but also represent the legacy of, of music that I come from, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. I think we don't disagree mm -hmm. at all. Thank you. There's someone here, I believe. Yes. Yeah, hi there. Um, so a couple of thoughts that I've had throughout the course of the, of the day that we've had today. One of the things that I've learned through being a volunteer in this city is that um, the arts provide us with an opportunity to recognize our own humanity. Um, it's a vehicle. It's also a mirror, and it provides a vocabulary. I, I was fortunate to be at a, a discussion where someone from, um, from uh, Alberta Ballet was present, and he said, interestingly, that violence is the absence of vocabulary. And so I feel like arts, the arts give us a vocabulary. Um, but the interesting thing is we are all artists even before we learn how to speak. It's, it's something that's innate. Um, I remember seeing a meme on Facebook uh, from a drummer friend of mine, and it was a picture of a desk from an elementary school, and it said underneath, hip-hop's first drum machine. <laughs> and so we, we all start at different times in different places, and I think what happens in between are, are the encounters that leave us um, different than we were before they took place. Mm -hmm. And so how is it that being in a place like Canada, where pluralism is embraced, where we have the good fortune to be a part of a mosaic, uh, and where each of us has the privilege of carrying a, a unique thread 
um, and where our um, institutions and experiences allow us to, to use that thread uh, to not only remain individual, but also then belong to a collective. Uh, so I think we're incredibly privileged to be here. Um, and I think as part of all of that, um, listening and observing um, needs to happen first before the expression can happen. Mm -hmm. but, but through that, I think we can all leave each other changed in a very um, positive way, in a very empathetic way, uh, and in a way that can allow us to overcome the fear and misinformation that is dividing us and to, to meet each other at our mutual points of ignorance, um, mm -hmm. to learn from one another, uh, to, to be better and do better. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by CJSW and Six Degrees. You just heard part two of the second 360 session entitled Where We Go. It featured host Rachel Giza, Shad, Antonio Martinez Velasquez, Sage Paul, and Jenna Rogers. To find previous segments as well as future segments in the Limited Run podcast series, look up CJSW Six Degrees on Spotify, iTunes, and your favorite podcasting service.